0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS podcast. I'm your host Omar Khan and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies and insights to help you build, launch and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to Renat Zuberov, the CEO and co-founder of Elastic IO, a hybrid integration platform that helps businesses connect APIs and on-premise and cloud applications quickly and securely. In 2012, Renat and his co-founders were working for a company where they were doing a lot of integration work. They realized that they weren't the only ones feeling the pain, and eventually they came up with an idea to build a SaaS integration platform. They used their savings to start the company and spent the first six months building a product, but they didn't talk to any customers. So when they eventually launched, it was hard for them to find customers. Even giving away the product for free didn't help much. But when they started charging for their product, something interesting happened. They started attracting better quality customers. And the feedback they got from those customers allowed them to build a better product and serve those customers better. They realized that they could charge even more for their product by targeting larger companies. Today, a typical customer pays them around ten thousand dollars a year, and they're currently doing around two and a half million dollars in annual revenue. And they've been growing at over a hundred percent year over year for the last three years. Renat shares the story of how they've built Elastic IO, what they've been doing to grow so fast, how he wishes that they charged much earlier for their product, and the impact of not thinking big enough when they started. So I hope you enjoy it. BUPOS. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? To download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business. That's thesasstoolkit.com.
1: Renat, welcome to the show. Hi, Omar. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Do you have a favorite quote you can share with us? Something that inspires or motivates you or gets you out of bed every day?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. I think I will not be the only person with this quote, but uh, especially in the startup area. But it's a quote of one of the co founders of Twitter. He said, timing, preservance, and uh, 10 years of trying will eventually make you look like an overnight success. Uh, I could I could really, really feel it. Like I could really understand this quote every time I see some success stories, but also some failure stories, because I think everything goes hand in hand, success and failures, especially in the startups or in any innovative area.
0: Oh, that's that's so true. You know, it's just like you look at what's happening out there and you hear some story and you think, wow, those guys launched and they just had amazing success, but you don't see what they did for the five, ten years before they got to that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the best example I have there, which I constantly mention to, to my friends and colleagues, is like, uh, you know, the company called Rovio, maybe? Rovio, does it tell you something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might guess, like, the Angry Birds, the, the, the game Angry Birds, was which game it was sequentially. What They did the first game, second game, third game, and then they did the Angry Birds. You can guess how many games they did before. Yeah, I've got no idea. Uh, it's actually 36. <laughs> 36 games? Yes. Wow. And then Angry Birds.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and you hear this story, you know, in, in so many places. Like, you know, the other day I was watching um, an interview with uh, James Patterson, the author, who's mm. written, like, so many books and is... I think his net worth is like close to a billion dollars. And he was saying that, you know, the first book he wrote was rejected by over 40 publishers. <laughs> so, you know, if there's this pattern. You see this over and over again that it's not just about SaaS, right? It's just about every time we want to do something, we want to create something, there's a process that that you go through.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. That's right.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Elastic.io did you, you just refer to it as Elastic? Uh,
1: basically, no. We, we actually the IO is uh, essentially a part of a name and an important important part of a name because we are coming from a developer background uh, and I'm originally a developer. And IO for developers is something they have to do in any project, right? Doesn't matter what it is. And for us, Elastic IO is pretty much a very good description of what we do. This elasticity in input and output is is actually a very core of Elastic IO.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like you know, my domain is sasclub.io, but the only reason is because I couldn't get sasclub.com, right? <laughs> but for you guys, Elastic IO actually makes sense, right? Coming from in terms of you know what the product does, you know, input output is a big part of you know exactly that that integration.
1: Absolutely, yes, yeah, and um, Elastic.io, we are uh, just like you mentioned an integration platform, right? So we connect. Uh, different systems, being at uh, systems uh, in the cloud, uh, systems on premises for traditional kind of older legacy customers, legacy systems, as well as a mixture of these. And for us, when we founded Elastic.io, the elasticity was their property of the cloud, which separates, say, the, the, the I mean, it's a bit sexistic, but like the men from the boys, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the elasticity is their unique property of the cloud. And without elasticity, it's uh, it's more like a lipstick on a pig. It's it's really uh, cloud washing.
0: So in a nutshell, if you how would you explain what the product does? Who's the target customer, and and what's the big problem you're helping to solve?
1: Yeah, actually, with Elastic that I we are helping to solve a problem which existed like since the beginning of IT. It's an application and data integration. So we let different systems speak to each other. And let our customers build processes which orchestrate data and applications through cloud and on-premise. So, for example, the e-commerce orders from Shopify shop would appear in the ERP system and uh, also the visitor or or, uh, say customer data will be automatically synchronized between, I don't know, CRM system and maybe a marketing campaign systems like Marketo. And uh, this problem has actually very much existed since like last uh, 30, 40 years already. There are numerous of other ways to solve it. And with Elastic, we are just bringing this uh, solution to the cloud. So we are um, from Gartner naming an integration platform as a service. And we try to solve this problem for two groups of customers. Uh, One of them... Is a middle sized businesses. So i not into SME, that's in the middle sized businesses. So let's say 50 plus employees, uh, or maybe like 50 to 500, 5,000 employees, companies with a large number of systems they're using. And the second group of our customers are software as a service vendors or software as a service founders and, and, and IT teams of software as a service companies who is challenged. By every customer, how can I integrate your SaaS tool with my ERP CRM, whatever? Got it. When I looked at the Elastic
0: IO website initially, like my first takeaway was like, oh, this looks very similar to a Zapier. But when I sort of started digging into it, I realized it was quite different in terms of the problem that you're solving. So, just for people who might be thinking the same thing, can you just help kind of explain the uh, how you're different?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, basically, we are uh, more like an enterprise version of Zapier. Let's say, as I said, this integration problem is not something new. So there are a, a ho- whole market size or market segments existed before like iPaaS existed, like extract, transform load applications, ETL applications, message middleware, and so on and so on. And uh, what we do is something similar to Zapier, but we are targeting a bit bigger companies or let's say more professional users of it, which demand um, a more comprehensive, but also at the same time maybe more complex or more flexible solution compared to to traditional if this and that or Zapier kind of use case. Can you give me one example
0: of that, maybe just so we can kind of help people understand the type of integration or the type of complexity that a customer might be asking for, asking you to help solve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually also, in in we can talk about later in our founding story. When we started with this, there was some very basic use cases, right? Where Zapier started, where If This and That started, like, if something happened here, something should happen there if I have my invoice in, in my invoicing application, I want to store it in my Dropbox, right? And these are pretty basic, similar use case, or simple use cases. The complexity of these use cases is because I have, I don't know, 50 different invoicing applications and maybe like five or 10 different storages like Dropbox, Google Drive, and so on, right? And when we started running to our customers with that, obviously, there are some people who said, okay, great, I, I also, Mike, I'm ready to pay for it. But... My biggest pain and biggest headache is how do I synchronize complex data like orders in my e commerce system with my ERP system, right? And this, unfortunately, from the complexity and from flexibility, goes far beyond like basic file here, file there use case, which pushed us more towards the more high value, maybe in a sense more expensive area. However, the price is just a differentiator for the customers. So we're just Moved up the market more or less from like basic use cases where we just you know, do a simple event based integration into the more business critical integrations where we synchronize business critical data between applications which are not, let's say, fancy or shiny. <laughs> yeah. And more traditional applications like, for example, SAP, ERP.
0: Got it. And, and then in terms of pricing, you mentioned that. So I'm looking, the, the plan started around 200 euros a month. And then for enterprise customers, it can go up to 5,000 euros a month
1: and higher. Correct. Absolutely. And uh, you can see also, we don't have a free premium plan or free plan, premium business model, like, like Zapier, for example, has. And pricing can be seen as a reflection of a value, right? But at the same time, it's also, it is also a filter, <laughs> right? I mean, the pricing is a, is amazing, uh, is a task of amazing complexity. I think we can talk about pricing maybe two, two hours, but uh, uh, pricing in generally for us, it's also a differentiation for whom we actually target it and how much attention and investment is required to solve the different level of problems for the customers. Okay, got it.
0: And in terms of revenue, you're now part of a publicly traded company, so these sort of numbers are public. Anyway, what are you doing in, in
1: terms of revenue at the moment? Last year, uh, 2018, we did, uh, if I'm not wrong, 2.3 million euro revenue, which is, I think, 2.5 million dollars. And uh, year before, we did, uh, again, if I'm not wrong, around about like 1.2, and the year before was 500. So we're actually consistently growing 100 plus percent year to year, for the last uh, three, four years in a row. And this gives us uh, actually a very good uh, foundation for the growth and also for the future. And um, one other part of, I think, uh, important KPI for us uh, as we are part of a public trade organization is actually all visible and uh, the company called Enweiss, which is a German company here in Germany. We are also profitable and cash flow positive since the last two years if I'm not wrong. Actually, it's three years already.
0: Okay, great. So let's kind of talk about, like, how did you start? Like, where did the idea for this product and business come from?
1: As I said, this solution or the problem we are trying to solve with Elastic is not something new. And me and uh, two of my co-founders, we were working in this area for like last six years before founding Elastica or even say eight years, I was working for a company called uh, Talent, uh, which is one of our competitors now. And one of uh, my co-founders, he worked for a, a large international bank, which is uh, also very much deep into the integration, data integration, application integration. And working there, we saw how much challenge the traditional software vendors with the traditional software vendor business model which was based on perpetual license, which was based on maintenance fees, were not really compatible with the way how modern cloud-based software service companies were working and thinking. And uh, part of the challenge was definitely technology. So the software, as a service, and, and cloud in general represent a, a significant technological shift, right? This lift and shift kind of ways of transforming on-premise software into the cloud software just does not work. And again, that's why Elastic, right? So this is the, the unique property of the cloud software for us. But the biggest challenge is not technological. It's also a business challenge because selling a subscription software shift the risks in the equation between the vendor and the customers significantly if we are thinking about perpetual model i will exaggerate a bit right but a customer buys a, a software a vendor takes a dvd and throw it over the fence and then saying dear customer now it's your problem <laughs> right and when we're using a cloud software or software as a service the software vendor is responsible and most of the time taking over the responsibility for Providing a service and hosting actually the software they created. And this gives absolutely new power to the user as a cloud software, right? Because they are no longer it's no longer only their problem how the software runs, how to run the software, how to upgrade the software, how to maintain it, and how to monitor it. But also now it's all now a vendor problem and represent a significant value add for the customers. Many of our customers nowadays, especially when I'm talking about direct customers, not the software-as-a-service or EM customers, they have a legacy integration platform, which they could not effectively host, monitor, maintain. And they see a lot of benefits by moving into the cloud-based solution like Elastic IO, uh, where the maintenance, upgrades, updates, as well as operations of the integrations is actually shared between us and them, and not only on their shoulders.
0: Okay. So how did you guys get started when you, you, you know, you've, you've seen this pain, you're experiencing it. How did you get started with, with the product or the business, or even deciding that this was a business that you were going to invest your time and money in?
1: We realized that this kind of transformation and, and the cloud transformation is very significant, is actually a once-in-a-lifetime sh- chance for us, you know, <laughs> to really start something new, to really make the difference, and ride this wave of transformation. And uh, we actually quit our kind of day jobs. We actually started even before a little bit, but then we then we realized that as an entrepreneurs, you have to jump off the cliff because otherwise, people won't take you serious, right? <laughs> and like. I don't believe in entrepreneurship sparta right? You are either in or out. There's no nothing in between, unfortunately. So we jumped and founded Elastic IO. And the first year, uh, we're living from our own savings, from friends and family, and fools, <laughs> and also some uh, support from the government because in Germany there's uh, definitely a very good social uh, security and this kind of stuff, which are supporting also new businesses initially. Uh, and then after a year, we, we found the first uh, seed investor and uh, then grew the company further.
0: And how long did it take you to build the first version of the product? Or your did you build an MVP? How did you get something to market, both in terms of time? And did you spend any time talking to potential customers? Or you guys felt like you knew this well enough, this problem that you were confident to sort of go ahead and just start
1: building the product? To be honest, looking back we spent far too much time doing technology or programming and we should have spent this time speaking to the customers, honestly. Uh, And this is a... But
0: that's the fun part, isn't it?
1: Building the product (laughs) is the fun part. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and it brings a lot of satisfaction, right? Every time or every day you set your targets, By the end of the day, you achieve your targets most of the time and then you go home happy. Uh, Your, I don't know, unit tests are green and everything is good. (laughs) (laughs) And we thought we are like outside of our comfort zone, right? Uh, By, oh, wait, we we, we have no employer. We're self employed now. We founded a new company. But looking back, we just spent too much time doing coding and too few time speaking to people. However, It somehow worked out (laughs) after a year with the technology we built. Actually, we launched the first version of Elastica maybe six months after. And it started to attract other people's attention. Uh, Many people got excited. I think it was about the time Zapier guys also started. And if this and that was already there. So uh, many people said, oh, it's like ift. And some people say, oh, okay, it's like Zapier and Yes, it's comparison was actually pretty much valid. However, the integration platform as a service was a completely new market. And uh, we were actually very lucky with this market as the market just exploded in the following years.
0: So you guys spent about six months building the product. And then how did you get the word out? Like, how did you find those initial customers?
1: Yeah. One of our co-founders was very good at uh, spreading the word of the mouth, you know, so so it's really talking to people and and spreading the the word about us. So we managed to participate in a number of events. You know, I think we were on all startup events around our area and maybe most of the Germany. I should also say it was 2013. And unlike now, the startup ecosystem in Germany was maybe, I don't know, 15% 15% or maybe 20% from the size of today. So there were not too many events, which is, I think, good because otherwise we just spend too much time on events, Yeah. <laughs> right? But we were participating in many events. Uh, we were also doing exhibitions through kind of startup programs and also online marketing.
0: Okay. Wait, let's just talk about the events before you go on about content marketing and, and Quora. Mm-hmm. What was your participation? Sure. You said participating, but what were you actually doing at the event were you guys just turning up and finding people to talk to were you trying to sponsor an event were you getting a booth and trying to get to talk to attendees how were you making this work for you
1: i mean initially when we were self-funded our our marketing budget was nearly (laughs) non-existing so uh, most of the time uh, there's a few events we made in the first year were kind of startup events where we don't have to pay for a booth but we got like presented a booth and, uh, one of the largest event we wore was an event called Sibit. It's, uh, used to be a biggest IT exhibition in Germany and Europe, actually. And there we like as a startup, we got some free booths, free places to expose ourselves. We also went to Dublin and, uh, basically a couple of events like this without any, let's say financial exposure except maybe uh, traveling tickets and maybe uh, youth hostel uh, places to, to sleep.
0: But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was watching some guy on YouTube and, and I was pretty impressed with some of the youth hostels across Europe, how good they are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, that's uh, that's true. Yeah, This is sometimes... Uh, also, Dublin 1 was not great. <laughs> I will not go <laughs> there again.
0: <laughs> okay. So let's talk about... we we'll are get into content marketing, but you mentioned Quora. So... What were you doing there and and how well was that working for you to find customers?
1: I think in the first year, maybe like a significant two-digit number of our our referrals came from Quora. And uh, if I'm not wrong, maybe just maybe from two, three questions in Quora, which I answered. And uh, I think one of them was the difference between, like, what is the difference between Eve, Sis, and Zapier? <laughs> so that was <laughs> one of the traffic generators for us. And another, especially in the first days, there was some significant number of visitors we got through uh, Hacker News. I think uh, we made it to the first page of the Hacker News in, on, on the weekend. I didn't remember which was exactly this, but it was pretty significant. I think we got first few hundreds of signups out of this event. We tried later to post it and, and, and boost it. And never never made it again. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. Maybe Hacker News has become so, so so massive and our well, efforts are so little. But at the time we just got in the first page. And then we wrote one of the blog posts about a particular feature of very, very new technology called Amazon Web Services, especially the CloudFront and uh, there was very, very technical blog post about some, I don't remember, HTTP header behavior or something like this. After that, when when one would Google like Amazon CloudFront, we were like the link number two after the CloudFront <laughs> because of this blog post. Oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think, generated over multiple years, uh, I think maybe like tens of thousands of visitors to a website. Although, Potentially not related, <laughs> but it's kind of technical audience, which is also was beneficial.
0: Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses, with their exclusive listings as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval. Bupos has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash Bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with Bupos.com. I forgot to ask you: Were you charging for the product right away? The six months you built it, you launched. Was there a beta period where people were just able to try the product for free before you charged, or, or did you say from no, no, from day one we're going to start charging?
1: Yeah, we actually we started like a beta or, or like a private beta initially. We were not charging for it, and we tried to learn from from the behavior of the people and retention and other kind of online KPIs how people use it. And later on, we introduced a freemium plan with freemium model just to realize later again, a filtering power of pricing, <laughs> right? Because uh, eventually we realized people don't take you serious if you your price tag is zero.
0: Well, especially the kind of companies if you're going after larger companies, I think that's completely valid. When you launched, did you have a specific customer in mind did you had you already decided we're going to go after this size kind of company or were you kind of still fairly open to kind of figuring out who that customer was
1: initially we were when we were kind of bootstrapping we uh, let's say initially we were like software developers right we were maybe romantic i'm sure <laughs> right and uh, we were very much into like the streemium and conversion and like selling something for $20 a month to a large number of people. And this is, I think a very valid business model which work on some potential scale and also the bootstrapped model could potentially work. However, later uh, we realized that uh, let's say support and handholding efforts for smaller customers or the customers or in a smaller pricing plans is more or less the same or equal to the support and maintenance uh, efforts for larger customer accounts. However, the feature set is definitely different. But uh, then we basically pivoted to um, more expensive or, let's say, more expensive pricing plans, which especially, which was bigger kind of customers and bigger kind of companies. Because obviously... I think the sweet spot for software service products, um, especially the ones which are bigger in the total volume, is definitely not uh, something which is, uh, I know, selling something for five euro a month or five dollar a month, but more in the thousands of dollars ARR.
0: How do customers find you today? Is there still a lot of inbound marketing that's helping you generate leads?
1: Yes, the inbound channel is I think over the last years the most reliable channel for us. Partially because of the market, as I said, we were very lucky to be in this market. Uh, we were very lucky to to be in the early phase of this market. So the interest to software as a service integration platform or integration platform as a service grew significantly. Like when we're speaking to analysts, right? They say a previous generation of our software of our like uh, class of software, which is uh, enterprise service bus is a saturated market. So every customer has at least one or more enterprise service buses already. So the new growth of potentially potential companies in this market is through replacement of a competitor. While for an IPAS, especially in the last few years, it was like explosive growth of over 80% per year of a market expansion, the market size, which led to the fact that we have a lot of competitors just by the number, and uh, the market consolidation is in progress, but not yet there. But that was a lot of interest from potential customers switching from the old, let's say, legacy way to do it to more cloud way to do this.
0: You also do some cold emailing and cold calling to 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 drive sales can you tell me a little bit about that like how how much do you do and and how well does that
1: work to be honest it didn't work that well although initially i think like 2 years ago it worked better than later <laughs> so in the last year we as i think many people in the industry there's a very nice book called predictable revenue unfortunately the the name of the authors i, I forgot already uh, but it gives a very interesting framework of working. And uh, one thing uh, I didn't realize when I was reading this book is that when this book is published, then basically this is a method which everyone else will also use, <laughs> right? So the, especially in the area of marketing, once, once people start speaking about the marketing way to generate leads, this way of generating leads will not work anymore because it's already too late. And um, initially, the email, cold email was working pretty okay, I would say, and cold calling. But the what we have witnessed is that the cost of uh, lead acquisition or generation of a lead uh, um, went significantly up uh, over the last couple of years there. So we uh, starting from next year, we will not focus or significantly decrease the number of cold calls and cold email campaign we will do.
0: And then did you do any paid ads adwords uh, linkedin ads anything like that
1: yes oh that was a waste of um, time and money <laughs> to be honest maybe we were doing them wrong i could not uh, exclude this we were not big a company and we have only that much of resources but at the same time the bidding structure of adwords which is excellent decision for google right but maybe not that great for everyone else in combination with uh higher number of bigger competitors in the market drove the cost per click to the area where it's very hard to justify compared to other channels. So uh, we are not doing AdWords anymore. Uh, we did AdWords, we did LinkedIn campaigns, with uh, uh, Facebook, we didn't. We did Twitter campaigns, and unfortunately, we, we were not able to generate a compelling lead acquisition cost there through this channel.
0: So there's a distinction in terms of your customers, and and I want to just talk a little bit about that because you have, basically, you have like direct customers and then you sort of have a reseller model, right? Is that the right way to think about it? Uh, Correct. It's more like an OEM uh, model, yes. Okay, okay. So the, the direct one is straightforward. Somebody finds a blog post, arrives at your website, tries the product, gets in touch, et cetera, right? And they start using it to solve their needs. Talk about this OEM model. Like, How does that work?
1: Oh, the, the OEM model is actually something we we initially never didn't start about. But after speaking to our customers and also the ecosystem, we realized it's, uh, it's very good. It's, it's huge potential. And it's actually working very well for us now. We have uh, uh, very big customer names uh, as OEM customers like uh, one of the biggest telecommunication companies in Europe, German telecom or Deutsche telecom, as well as a number of others also in US and and, and uh, in the Middle East. But the s- typical OEM customer for us is actually a software service application. You could imagine there are a big number of software applica- software service applications on the market, and obviously the cloud, leaves from low customer acquisition costs and software which in customer perception does not suck, right? I mean, it's, it's a software which is easy to use, compelling, understandable, and easy to learn, right? Which leads to the fact that many software service applications are focused on particular vertical, right? There is a CRM for link building. There is a, I don't know, accounting applications for hair salons, I don't know, and very, very specific kind of applications, which at the same time help a lot with learning curve of particular areas. So it's very easy to understand what's going on in particular niche if the software service application is niche specific. But at the same time, it means that there are many, many, many software service applications people use. I will give you an example. I mean, we're not a big company. I think in, in total, with ElasticIO, we are right around about like 50, 60 people, and with together with um, our parent uh, company, we're like maybe 200 about. But even in our like 50, 60 people company, we counted recently, and we use around about 50 different software service applications, which means like every employee have one his own <laughs> software service application. And this leads to the fact that every software-as-a-service application now is challenged with a way to provide a consistent business value as a part of a bigger process, as a part of a business process which span across multiple software-as-a-service applications. And typical answer to this is when the customers are coming and they ask, like, can you work with these guys? Can you integrate with that application? Can you integrate with this application? The typical answer is, yes, of course we can, here's an API, do it yourself, right? Which is not particularly easy uh, for the customers because obviously it's just pushing the problem to the customers uh, of integration, as well as it's not particularly useful in the sale process because the sale of software service application becomes slower and customer will ask more questions about the API and they need to do a proof of concept and they need to do, to find the people who will integrate it and so on and so on and so on. So with OEM offering of Elastic IO, we actually offer an embedded integration platform, which has all applications IO has available for the customers of software service products. So the answer, can you integrate with this or with that? very simple yes we can here here is a ready-made solution just activate it and then it will start working for you and for your customers immediately and by this we first of all shortening the sales process right so the answer is very simple and second we make application much stickier like the stickiness of application which is integrated into the customer processes is is by factor maybe like five, I would say, Uh, in our experience, more sticky means the churn will be reduced significantly compared to application, which is just standalone and can be replaced anytime.
0: Okay, got it. So before we started recording, one of the things that you said to me was, hey, you know, when I look back, I feel like we didn't think big enough when we started out.
1: Yes tell me more about that when we were starting it's it was our first company it was our first startup right and um, we when when people were asking us like investors or, or 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 potential partners like what is the target size of your market we didn't pay too much attention we we need to know what the target market is but we as many people you know like like we as 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 humans right we have a very, it's very complicated to realize or to imagine a big number, right? Like it's very hard to imagine or feel how much a billion bigger than a million, right? And for us, we we weren't, didn't have this experience to think big and we were not really realizing what our potential markets are, and what this growth opportunity we had before us, which had potentially some negative effect in our conversations with many people, right? And this is something maybe to do with our cultural background. You know, I'm not originally German. I'm originally coming from Russia, but living in Germany since like already 18 years. And uh, especially in Germany, the people are very risk averse, right? At the time when we found that Elastic.io... It was very complicated to get an access to the capital and also the growth models or examples of the significant growth were not there in Germany at the time because most of the German companies are middle-sized companies built over generations and generations, right? And by not thinking big enough to be, um, I think it was one of the mistakes that uh, we missed uh, some uh, very big opportunities. Okay. That's a good lesson.
0: Good sort of some reflection to look back. And, uh, I think all of us can sometimes do that, right? Just, uh, we've got to challenge ourselves to, to think a little bigger. And I've always been kind of blown away by so many founders that I've spoken to when on the face of it, you look at the product and you think, okay, that, oh, they're very focused on a very specific hyper-targeted market niche and you're like that doesn't look like a huge opportunity and then as you sort of start talking to them you figure out like how well they're doing how much they've grown the business and how much opportunity there still is it's always a a constant reminder to me about there's no sort of finite cake that gets smaller with everybody going in there's there's constantly opportunities out there and you know it's a it's a much healthier way to sort of think about running a business as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not a zero sum game, right? We are entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs they're generating the value is they're not pulling the value from somewhere else, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, we should uh we should wrap up and getting on to the lightning round. So uh you're gonna get seven fast quick fire questions here. Are you ready?
1: Yeah. Okay. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? That as an entrepreneur you have to jump off the cliff, right? You have to be committed, and you are either in or out. There's no no in between. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? The one recent book I read is was very nice called uh, Thinking Slow, Thinking Fast. It was written by the psychologist who got who won a Nobel Prize in economics, (laughs) which is very unusual (laughs) for Nobel Prize winners. It's about two kinds of thinking we have in our head, which are constantly competing. And it's about instincts and how actually we think and feel as humans.
0: What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder?
1: I think it's it's a good extension of the initial quote, (laughs) which I mentioned. I believe the preservance Persistence and patience, these are the important characteristics of a good founder, as well as uh, optimism. So this combination keeps me up every morning (laughs) and getting out of the bed.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: Initially, for me, it was a calendar, like Google Calendar. Um, Like uh, the rule of thumb is everything which is not in my calendar doesn't exist but now over the time to the calendar i have a new kind of super tool for me which i use like everyday multiple times it's actually a, a dropbox paper i'm not getting any <laughs> any referrals here but i just i just really like the way uh, how they created a tool which is so intuitive and easy for doing meeting notes meeting minutes to really fix what we discussed and i do it for every meeting for for every conversation I have, uh, which sometimes people believe I'm just mad. But uh, I really, really find it useful.
0: (laughs) What's a new or crazy business idea you'd
1: love to pursue if you had the extra time? Actually, I'm uh, in the process of rebuilding parts of my house right now. And the kind of idea of a smart house or smarter house is very compelling to me right now. And uh, what I'm really, what would be very interesting for me to dig about more about it once I will have more time is really like how this home automation and and smart home uh, ecosystem works and uh, why actually there's no clear winners there. So I I could not really understand why there's no like uh, Google does it, Amazon does it, but still they're like. 55 different standards <laughs> like yeah. no no clear winner I, I i'm really curious why that doesn't work but i just don't have time to dig into it
0: yeah. i'm really into a lot of that stuff and every time i buy something i wonder to myself how much more complicated i'm making life because <laughs> you know every kind of piece of it's got its own app it's got its own kind of setup it's oh. you know just yeah. bringing the whole thing together in a way at some point, you're going to be like, okay, I'll probably have to throw all this away and, and somebody will come up with this end-to-end solution, which might make sense. But uh, right now, it's not there. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: One of the interesting facts uh, that some people know and some people don't know about me is actually the area where I was born and grown up. Uh, it's actually very, very far away in north in Siberia, in Russian Siberia. And the particularly interesting uh, fact about this uh, place is definitely the temperatures uh, which are there. I still have lots of uh, friends uh, living there and they really enjoy a bit warmer winters now. But at the time <laughs> I was a kid there, the, when it was minus 55 in the winter, so it's minus 55 Celsius Oh my gosh! in the winter, uh, then part of the school people could stay home when it's minus 60 then all schools are closed but only when it's 60 so when it's minus 58 it's still oh my god <laughs> and uh yeah that's uh basically an interesting uh, it's an interesting part of of, uh, of my my life and uh, which
0: it is uh, it is yeah that's, that, thanks for sharing that and uh finally what is one of your most important passions outside of your work
1: it's actually my kids and family i really like uh, to spend time with them and, and uh, Sometimes I'm spending maybe less time than, than I would like to, but I really enjoy spending time with them. I have three kids. Uh, so my son is already 16 and my youngest daughter is actually only four. So it's, uh, it's a lot, a lot of fun uh, spending time with them and like also see them grow. And it's uh, a lot of, uh, I'd say, entertainment <laughs> to talk to them and also to, to play with them. It's really amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, some I th- It was my sister, I think, who once said to me, before I had any kids, you know, if sometimes it can feel like 99% of the time being a parent is like really hard. And sometimes you ask yourself why I did this. And then there could be this, this 1% moment with your kids that makes up for all of that. And <laughs> it, it made no sense to me at the time. But now as a parent, I, I totally understand that.
1: Yeah, I, could, I, could, I couldn't agree more. This. Actually, I'm like four years old, 10 years old and 16 years old. So you can already see the pattern here. When the kids go grow up and go to school, and then we were like with my wife, okay, that's like the fun part is over. Maybe we need a new one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Serena. So thank you for joining me. It's been great talking and, and kind of learning more about Elastic.io. If people want to find out more or think it might be able to help them, they can go to Elastic.io. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Oh, so you can just uh, ping me on Twitter uh, with my surname or just drop me a line on, on Renat at Elastica. Awesome.
0: Thanks again. It's been a pleasure and uh, I, I wish you all the best.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Omar. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you very much for, for the opportunity to speak to you. And uh, looking forward uh, for also your future episodes. It's really exciting.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We did mention that that you're actually a listener as well of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's uh, I'm really really pleased to be here, to be here, and I will be very proud to show it to all my family and kids.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? Jotform Tables is a solution you've been looking for. JotForm Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms and JotForm Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your JotForm forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But JotForm Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative. With conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 250 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform.